Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We are in the middle of a series called Blank Phobia. And we are looking at the different types of fears that stir up inside of you. Because that's your phobia. That's what you're afraid of. That first week we realized that we may be too comfortable with Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat. And our fears are conquered when we let the Jesus that is inside of us awaken and speak. Peace be still to calm that storm. Last week we looked at the 23rd Psalm and specifically the phrase that David used when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David clearly understood that there are some fears that are just not real. They're just shadows and they're looming over our lives. And the enemy uses those fears to intimidate us. These are assumed fears. And I told you that if it takes faith to please God, then it takes fear to please Satan. And so last week we looked at our assumed fears and today we will look at our actual fears. One summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her young, scared son, five years old, into bed. And as she tucked him into bed and turned and turned off the light and was walking out of the door, the the young boy, trembling, looked at his mom and he said, Mommy, can you just stay in here with me tonight? And the mom just smiled and she walked back over to him and she gave him a big hug and she says, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in daddy's room tonight. To which the little boy replied, Daddy's a big sissy. (laughs) You know, as I have stated throughout this series, we've all got fears. There's not one person that doesn't have something that frightens them, something that grips them and, and at times even paralyzes them. You know, they tell me that if you have something called porphyrophobia, porphyrophobia, it's the fear of the color purple. I didn't even know that that was a scary movie. (laughs) I'll be here all day. How about this one? Odontophobia. It's the fear of teeth. And so doctors just prescribe, move to Alabama and you'll be okay. (laughs) Chetophobia. Chetophobia is the fear of hairy people. And then pelidophobia is the fear of baldness or bald people. Levophobia is the fear of objects on the left side. And then, of course, dextrophobia is the fear of objects on the right side. And so if you have those last three phobias combined and you're sitting in between two bald men right now, this service is a nightmare for you. (laughs) A few people have come to me during this this series and and with with good intentions, and so I'm not picking at them, but they've come to me and they've, they've said, Pastor, do you know what the acronym for fear is? And of course I do. I've, I've seen it. I've seen people post about it. I've, you know, I've, I've been in Cracker Barrel. I've seen it on the sign. You know, I, know, I know that fear, the acronym, is false evidence appearing real. Anybody ever heard that before? False evidence appearing real? Don't tweet that. And please don't quote me as saying that, okay? 
because I have intentionally not used that acronym because the fact is not all fears are assumed and false. We covered that last week. There are some fears that the enemy uses to intimidate us that are assumed fears. They're false. There's no factual evidence. But there are actual things that you need to be fearful of. Imagine if the people in the panhandle did not take the fear of Hurricane Michael seriously. There is actually something there to fear. It requires preparation, and, and hopefully many of them evacuated. It, 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 it lends itself to that because when you have actual fears, they, they have evidence to back them up. On March the 4th, 1933, during his first inauguration address, President Franklin D. Roosevelt said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And this was President Roosevelt's attempt to inspire the American people because the country was in financial distress during that time. And the Great Depression had taken its toll on the American people and people were scared. And so people were, were threatening to pull their money out of the banking system. And, and so he was telling them, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. We experienced a little taste of this with the Great Recession of the late 2000s. And some of you, you have since recovered, but it was a tough time for, for so many people. Uh, for the working class, it was a tough time. When the economic warning signs are on the wall, they simply cannot be ignored. They demand your attention, and many people respond in fear. As a matter of fact, I know this one businessman that got a tip from, from someone in South Florida that this, this recession was starting. It started in South Florida and just kind of spread its way up. And uh, so he got this tip that, that the market is taking a crash, and he then uh, uh, liquidated all of the properties that he had. And I'm convinced to this day that because of that little tip, it saved this man. It probably saved his business. Some fears are healthy fears. A healthy fear is a defense mechanism that God has placed inside of you. A healthy fear can keep you from making a crucial mistake. A healthy fear can keep you from making the same mistake again. A healthy fear can keep you out of harm's way. You need healthy fears in your life. A healthy fear teaches a child not to touch the stove because it's hot. Or at least not to touch it again, right? A healthy fear teaches you to look both ways before you cross the road. I remember when I was five years old, I was in kindergarten. I was five years old and, and I walked out of the front doors of the church in Panama City that my dad was pastoring. And there was a two-lane road, a small little you know, two-lane road right in front of the church. And my oldest brother was parked across the street. He, he, he was driving and he was parked across the street. And, and I saw him and I saw his girlfriend and I just thought, I'm going to get over there to them. And so I, I broke away from my mom really quick, ran down the church steps, started running right there across the street. And I never made it to my brother because a car coming about 40 miles per hour hit me and knocked me about 25 feet down the road. My mom said that, that as she was standing on the church steps, watch, watching me run out in front of traffic, that when, when the car hit me, my shoe went flying through the air. And she said, I thought it was your head. And I remember as, as I looked up at the church and looked up at the steps, I remember watching my mom faint and people just, just caught her and my brother ran to me. You know what I, I do today? I look both ways. 
And when the little kids are around the road, you'll, you'll see me. I'm always the one that's trying to grab little kids and make sure. Why? Because it's a healthy fear. I realize that a, an automobile moving at 40, 45 miles per hour can do some damage to a person, if not kill them. It's a healthy fear. We all agree that these fears are necessary, healthy fears in life. If you have the fear of losing your job, it'll cause you to show up on time. and It'll cause you to work hard. If you have the fear of failing a class, it, it will cause a student to spend extra time studying and preparing for those exams. These fears make us better. And some things in life deserve to be on our fear radar. But when does a healthy fear become a hindrance to your life? Because there's this fine line between a healthy fear and a fear of hindrance. And you've got to determine what that is, where that line is at. Because as I'll show you today, it almost, if not, it does become sinful if you don't. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to be reading verses 25 through 34. And if you will, after we read our text today, if you'll just leave your Bibles open because I'm going to refer back and read some other verses close by and and also refer back to these verses a numerous numerous times throughout this sermon so matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34 and and let me go ahead and prepare you because i want your hearts prepared for this we're going to end this a little bit different today intentionally we're going to ask the the band to come back up and we're going to declare not today amen we're going to tell satan not today we're not going to walk out of this room with the same fears that we walked into this room with. Amen? Amen. Amen. Matthew uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, that last line there, Jesus is saying, today has enough problems of its own. Don't get caught up worrying about tomorrow. God has given you this sense of concern that should not be ignored. It is God-given. God put it in you. And when God puts this, this sense of concern in you, he expects for you to use it. There are certain things in life that just need to be of concern to you. Concern will cause you to address a specific fear or area in your life that is troubling you. And it will cause you to develop a plan to eradicate that fear. 
And so if you're like me, when you see something on the horizon, if you see something that is troublesome, if you see something that is causing you some fear, then you want to make a plan. You want a plan of action because you want to make sure that that fear does not continue to walk with you through your life. But worry or unhealthy fear will allow the concern to control you. And this is what Jesus was addressing here. He, he was saying you have to be careful that you don't become over anxious. There are certain things in life that, yes, you need to be concerned with, but when that concern becomes unhealthy fear, it will begin to control you. Like a puppet master with, with puppet strings, it will control you in every part of your life. Can a person worry too much? Absolutely a person can worry too much. Can a person worry too much about things that they should be worried about? Yes. See, when the concern causes you to lose sleep, it's now become anxiety. When the concern does not allow you to cope, and, and, and now that has become unhealthy fear in your life. When the concern begins controlling who you are, where you are, how you function, if you function, at that point you have allowed a healthy concern to become an unhealthy fear. And the Greek word that's used in verse 25 for the term do not be anxious, that term anxious, it's actually the Greek word merimneo, and it means to be pulled apart, divided, separated. So Jesus was saying, therefore I tell you, do not be torn apart. Don't be torn into pieces over this trouble in your life. Don't be so worried and so concerned that you are torn apart over this. When your fear has you torn into pieces, you can know for sure that you are in disobedience to the words of Christ. He made it plain right here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be tore up over this situation. Romans 14 and 23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so if you're not operating in faith, then you're operating in sin. The prophet Nehemiah in chapter 6 said that to operate in fear would be sinful for him. Had a huge task, rebuilding the walls. But to operate in fear would be sinful for him. So what I want us to do, just, just for a few moments here, I want us to go back and I want us to look at the word that Jesus uses, the very first word of the text that we read today, uh, to, to, to illustrate this lesson to us and to tell us where we're heading with this. Jesus uses this one little word. It's actually kind of a big word, and it's the word therefore. Therefore. And so when you read that word therefore, what that tells us is that something was said before that to get us to this place. So in order for him to speak to us about our anxiety, about our fear, about us being torn apart, something was said before that. So let's just back up a little bit and let's go to verse 19. He said, do not lay, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen to this. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in if, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Remember what that Hebrew word or that Greek word rather means? That Greek word means to be torn apart, divided. Jesus is addressing this because ungodly fear will cause you to want to serve two masters. He said you can't serve both God and money. And ultimately, the worry over money comes because of a fear that has developed inside of us. So you can't serve both God and fear. You are torn. That anxiety comes because you are torn in two different directions. You're trying to serve God, but then also you're giving in to fear. And ungodly fear will cause you to want to try and serve two masters. And you can't serve both fear and God. You can't be in peace and be in pieces at the same time. You, you can't operate in faith believing and be worried to death about what tomorrow looks like. This is such a great hindrance for the people of God. If we would ever get to the place to where we would just learn to put our faith and our trust in God... He continues in verse 25, and Jesus says, therefore, after he tells us, you can't serve two gods, you can't serve two masters, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious, divided, torn, separated. Do not be torn to pieces about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And Jesus covers the basic necessities of food, water, and clothing, the things that all of us need, the things we can't live without. You can't live without food. You simply just can't survive without it. You can't live without water. You, you can only survive, they tell me, three to five days without water. Your body is made up of 65% water after the age of one. You can't live without that. You can't live, well, you probably can live without clothes, but we don't want you to live without clothes, okay? So that's more for us. And Jesus reminds us that he has our basic necessities covered. He's got it covered. That if God cares about the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, the grass of the field, how much more does he care about you? If God cares about those things that seem so minute, those things that seem so empty, those things that don't really matter. Nobody woke up this morning, not one of you woke up this morning and thought to yourself, how is that poor little bird going to get food today? But yet God cares about that. Nobody woke up today and just, just, just wondering, how, how is the grass going to do today? Is, is, you know, we got this little cold spell coming in. Is the grass going to be okay with this? Trust me, it'll be 85 by noon, Okay. No, but we wake up every day and we are consumed with these actual fears. Things that if they are not supplied for, if God doesn't come through, we're in trouble. 
And Jesus says, when it comes to these basic necessities of life, don't get consumed with that anxiety. Don't let that fear overtake you because God's got it covered. I've realized that most fears are born out of our desire to control the outcome rather than trusting God to work it out. Okay, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. Most of my fears, most of my fears are born out of this desire to control the outcome of a situation rather than trusting God. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So he tells us that everything works out for our good. If you are a follower of Christ, it will all work out. You have to trust that. You have to put your faith in that. It will work out. But sometimes being in control of your fear is simply realizing that you don't have to be in control of your fear. Matter of fact, some of you need to declare this over your life. God's got this. That's kind of been a theme throughout text this year for me with people that are going through some struggles. I've just started telling them, God's got this. God's got this. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, God's got this. You have no idea what they're going through, but tell them, God's got this. God's got this. I'm going to share a, a very transparent moment, and um, the band can come, and we'll, we'll sing here in a minute. Band, you may just have to rescue me from this. I don't know. I, uh, <clears throat> I know that as the leader, the shepherd, the pastor, I know that I'm supposed to operate in complete, total faith. We'll make sure this is deleted off the podcast because the world doesn't need to know this. I don't always operate in faith. And there's moments that the enemy grips me with fear. And one of those moments was just a few weeks ago. The week that we were supposed to sign documents for the closing of our construction loan, the enemy began putting little things in my path to bring discouragement and anxiety. One of those things was actually the monthly report for our church. If you're a covenant member, you've, you've got access to that. All you got to do is set up an appointment and we share that stuff. We share it during business meetings with our covenant membership, but every covenant member has the right to set up an appointment. We have an open book policy for members. So I'm not going to share numbers here, but I will tell you, and the council knows this, right about the time that we were signing documents, right before that, we had one of the worst months that we had had in the past two years here at this church. And immediately I thought, oh no, are we jumping the gun? Are, are we not supposed to build? I mean, we're about to sign a, a contract for three and a half million dollars, church. 
and we have the worst month we've had in two years. After we had had a year and a half of, of just incredible, incredible financial blessings for this church, and we were able to do so many things, and, 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 and now I'm looking at it, and I, 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 was just, I, was, I was just gripped with fear for a moment. I'm just being honest with you. I know none of you ever have to battle with that kind of stuff, but man, I'm telling you, I'm thinking, what am I doing to this church? And, and you know how when you mention something, I'm, I'm convinced that, that Facebook's listening. Because you can have a conversation with someone, and then all of a sudden it, it pops up on your timeline. There's advertisements for whatever you were, you were talking about. Yeah. I, I was sitting on the couch the other night looking at Facebook, and I, I told Mandy, I said, have, have you guys been talking around my phone? Because there's all of these ads for dresses. <laughs> and I quit dressing in drag like two weeks ago. I'm not doing this anymore. So, you know. No, so I'm convinced that, that Facebook's listening, and so whatever we're talking about, you'll see these ads pop up. You'll never be able to convince me otherwise. I, it's, it's, it's factual in my mind. It's... Uh, I see the evidence there, but I think the enemy, I think sometimes he knows exactly where the fear has got us. He's listening in, and so he starts slipping in these little things. And so we had, we had a rough financial month for the church, which, by the way, we bounced back. I mean, the next month was amazing, so... Thank you for your faithfulness and giving and God's doing amazing things and will continue to do amazing things. But, but that was not the case that day. And we're leading into the signing of this and these articles start popping up about how the economy is, to, is about to take this downturn and how all the warning signs are there and it looks like the great recession of the late 2000s. And at that moment, I was paralyzed with fear. You see, we, we birthed this church in 2006 when the economy started taking a nosedive. And so we had no choice but to birth and grow this church in a down economy. And so we were very careful. We, we were careful with, with the way that we, we would spend the money, as, as we should be all the time, but, but we were extra careful. We were careful with staff that we put on because we didn't want to bite off more than we could chew. And so, you know, birthing a church in a down economy, you, you've got to be careful with those kind of things. Now, all of a sudden, the economy is booming. We're about to sign a deal for three and a half million. And I'm seeing these articles pop up. I'm seeing a bad month. And all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm going, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And for about five minutes of my life, I actually thought about pulling the plug and saying, no, no. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I sat there and I refused to get up from my desk and walk out of my office without encouraging myself in the Lord. And I've got this journal that sits behind my desk. It's, it's, it's someone from Tampa gave it to me when we first moved here. And for the first year, maybe year and a half of our church's history, I journaled. And I would write in there the things that were frustrating, the fears. 
but I would always follow it up with how God answered it. And I just started reading the history of what God had done. And I'll tell you this, God has never once let me down and he's never once let this church down. And I stood up from my desk and I said, arise, we build. Nobody else was there to hear it. It was just me. Arise, we build. You cannot, must not, allow your concerns to overwhelm you to the point where it will paralyze you. Never let a concern stop you from walking in the faith that God's called you to walk in. You're going to get tired of hearing it. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We walk by faith, not by sight. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.